Hello again and welcome to the 6 8 of 10 podcast. Thanks again for all the positive feedback. Um, I really appreciate all the support that you've given me uh, on the podcast. Now, for episode 6, I've got to sit down with another good mate of mine, someone who I met through um, coaching. And I think, I'm not sure, I think he might have refereed me when I was younger, I'm not 100% sure, but uh, that gives it away. It's um, Des Roach, you could say he's still part of the referee association, but more so, he coaches now, he's a dad, he's a teacher, he's a coach, he's, he just loves football, he's a, he's a fan all round, so no, that, it's fantastic to get the opportunity to sit down and speak with, with Des and, and fit for him to fit me in and do the podcast is, is great because he's got a busy lifestyle with, with work um, with the coaching that he does he's on the committee a junior team as well and still referees the odd game here and there um, no it was great to sit down with him and he took me to Houston to the famous Foxes and Hounds where I spoke to Charlie in the previous podcast episode 4 and we spoke about the Fox and Hounds so there's a wee bit of history in that and it was it was um Although it's been done up, it was nice to return to the scene. So, no, I hope you enjoy. Thank you all for listening. Uh, and thanks to Des for coming on. Bye now. Yeah, former. Almost former. Almost former. I'm still officially, um, I'm still officially registered. Uh, I kept that going after I, after I decided to retire, uh, but I think I'll, I'll let it lapse. There's too many other things going on in my life with, with football and, and family ties that I really don't see myself going back to in, in any sort of serious capacity. Yeah. What what made you get started in refereeing? What was the, the big thing for you to get started in that? Um, came about about ten years ago. Um, after a running career and sort of playing a bit of amateur and junior football, a family friend had always kept saying to me, "Do you fancy refereeing? Do you fancy refereeing?" Yeah. To which point I was like, "Absolutely no chance, no no chance." Yeah. Um, my uncle, in fact, had actually played in a couple of games amateur and he was a referee. But of all of all things, I of all the injuries I've had, I get kicked in the hand um, and I, I snapped a tendons in my thumb, and I just I thought I'd just I'd be cut, I'll go for a stitch. Next minute I know I'm down at the hospital looking for a stitch and get told, oh no, you've snapped your tendons, you need to get surgery. Cut a long story short, <coughs> I'm lying in, lying in bed, the guy next to me is a rugby referee, mm-hmm. and he starts saying to me, oh, you're obviously into sport, you're into football, we just take up refereeing. Then my uncle comes back on to me, oh, this is maybe a time to take up refereeing. Again, all options of it were against, not a chance. And then I had six weeks off work, because I wasn't allowed in, I had a, a K-wire, a pin coming out of my hand, and I just thought that I'll go and do this course to give me something to think about and give me something to sort of something different. Uh, but again, without the without the any any thought of taking it up, I went and done it. I passed the course. I hadn't even thought about it. And again, I get the certificate saying you've passed. I phoned my uncle. Fancy coming to training? And next thing I know, I'm I'm a, I'm a fledgling referee. And that was that. Was that. The rest is history. As they say. As they say, yes. As they say. Um, when you get into the referee. What what was it like when you first started out? Because there's not a lot of people who know the process of 
refereeing, like going about the games and stuff like that. And it wasn't local games you get assigned to. I can remember speaking to you and you were Peterhead sometime. Aye, aye. But here, there, everywhere. So, what was that like dealing with that? Well, when I started, though, when I was up at when we first got to know each other, and I was, I was at that Catty Rollins days. There's a lot of processes you go through before you even get there. It's pretty much just like football. You go through the sort of the age groups, then you become a a YTS, then you become a, a sort of a junior pro, then a senior pro. So for me, I never refereed in kids football. Um, yeah. I played amateur and I played a couple of games junior. So I decided to go right straight into the amateurs. But to progress, to progress in refereeing, you need to be an active member yeah. of an association. You need to be an active member at training because that's where you, you meet people, you meet contacts, you meet the coaches, you meet the supervisors. These guys maybe will come and watch you. They'll then say, oh, well, he's progressing well. So i only done six months in the amateurs, the West mm-hmm. of Scotland Amateur League, which was... <laughs> I put some, some bear tails in there. Um, but I could handle it. Mm-hmm. So I got asked at the end of the season with a fancy get up to junior football. Um, so of course, yeah, straight into the juniors. I was in the juniors for five years, but within that five years, I get made what's called category three. Mm-hmm. And at that time, that was you would refereeing juniors and you'd run the line at, at the old sort of second division championships and yeah. first division. So I was doing that maybe juniors three weeks, run the line one every six weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, again, you get noticed, you get marked, and you, you make your way up. Got to category two, which then means you're refereeing your your better junior games, your Rock and Lex, Cumnox, Pollux, and you're also refereeing SPL reserve football. Mm-hmm. So you're getting pitched in at a, again, a, a better quality level, better players, more demanding situations. Unfortunately, 2010, I was appointed to the Junior Cup final, uh, which was Largs and Linlithgow, and straight following that, I get told I was getting promoted to Category 1, and that year, um, I was the only, only referee in Scotland to get promoted to Category 1. So that was quite um, that was quite prestigious mm-hmm. for me, but on the the converse of that, two days after I'd done the junior cup final, I had a planned operation on my knee for the Tuesday, which then gave me a six week window to get back for the start of the season. But now that you're no refereeing, mm-hmm. do you find yourself a wee bit more observant towards other referees when you're watching games and stuff? And I find myself enjoying football a lot more. <laughs> <laughs> when when I first started refereeing and learning the laws of the games and we be intricacies of it. We all thought we knew when you didn't know. Yep. You start watching the games differently. Mm-hmm. You start watching it as a referee, then you start watching right, what's that decision he's making. And bear in mind, now the level I'd got to, a lot of these referees are my pals. Mm-hmm. But I can watch it now with a referee's eye on it. Yep. But I can also enjoy watching it as a as a spectacle, as a game. I could always enjoy it, but I can get that wee bit more enjoyment. I can yeah. I can no shout for a team or anything like that as such, but I can I can see it. But I've always got we've always got an eye and I still keep in touch with a lot of my referee pals and the the texts will be going fly between each other or we'll drink that yellow card and we'll drink that record. Because when you get to the guys at the top level, it's competitive. Mm-hmm. It's an individual sport. These yeah. guys want to if you're refereeing Celtic V Rangers, then there's three, four, five, six guys that want to be doing the same game as you. Yeah. And particularly when you get to the sort of the top end echelons, these guys are it's a cutthroat business. There's a a big big demand to get who you want and you've seen it this year. Willie obviously going to the Europeans mm-hmm. Craig went four years ago yeah. these guys are buying each other for Champions League places mm-hmm. uh, it's a it's pretty interesting it's, it's, there's a lot goes on behind it that people don't people don't also you and I have spoke yeah. numerous times and yeah. you can tell things that have happened and things that don't happen but I look at it now what do you say I wouldn't say a critical I'd say maybe a as you say maybe a more observed mm-hmm. view at it and I can understand why mistakes get made but I can also see why things 
think, oh my word, how, how did they not see that? Uh, <laughs> Probably a lot of supporters does. Yeah. Well, that's good, you can look at it the, the two ways and you've not just got the, the referee hat on other things. Cause I find it hard sometimes when I go to watch a game and switch off and think to yourself that there's a coach, oh, I'd do this or I'd do that and maybe do it. And that could be at any level. Mm-hmm. But you, and then you think, what am I doing? I'm just here to watch a game of football. So sometimes I can find that quite hard. And even if I'm watching it on the telly as well, I'm a bit... I'm the exact same. I'm exa- I'm, I'm exact same. My, my wife, she'll look at me and actually, she'll, she'll turn around and she'll be not shouting at the telly, but going, <laughs> what's happening here? And she'll be like, you don't do that anymore. Yeah. I'm like, but I don't just switch off. No, you can't. I, Every, I mean, at the end of the day, I'm a football fan. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm involved in refereeing. And, and people say our referees are biased. Like, listen, nobody at that level mm-hmm. is biased. They're not good enough to be biased. It happens too quick. Mm-hmm. But to be involved at that level, then you've got to like football. Mm-hmm. And particularly growing up in Scotland and the West of Scotland, if you like football, you like a team, you like a player, you'll have some kind of uh, affiliation. And if you didn't, then they don't know the game. And I'd rather have a referee that pertains to know something about the game to enjoy it because I loved it. I loved it. I would I would run by a player and say, Well done mate, what a what a pass, what I say, well you gain somebody a yellow card, you're like that saying, you know what? I'd have done that. Yeah. I'd have taken that one for the team. Aye. I I took it a lot for the team when I played and I a lot of stupid no stupid films, but just taking one for the team, take the hat and That's that, you know because I knew most of the time I would never get a second. No. No. There was a couple but I knew most of the time. Yeah. 9 out of 10 I would never never ever get a second but how many times you hear that folk are saying oh, get, get in there earlier uh, you always get one free tackle mm-hmm. and that doesn't happen anymore no nah, you don't even just, just when I was coming through we were just starting to come clamp down and clamp down and as you say your manager would be hit them early and let them know you're there and but when you were playing and the guys that were refereeing at pro youth level and then when you went as a senior pro the guys that were refereeing you then are probably the guys at the top of the game now mm-hmm. When you look at the sort of transition they came through, so look, Willies and Craig, who else is up there? Uh, Bobby Madden, John Bean, these guys, you mm-hmm. pro- possibly myself, <laughs> was probably referees you at some point. I probably did. Probably about 20 Maybe I, not. I don't know. I wasn't that bad. I wasn't that bad. Well, I think you've seen you play in a school game and you've rattled a few, for the, uh, rattled <laughs> a few of the pupils. I've rattled a few. Anybody? <laughs> anybody? <laughs> anybody? It doesn't bother me. Um, just talking about the the school games and stuff, you, you played a wee bit yourself as well, when you were younger, before you took on the path, but I don't want to touch on the playing side just yet, you, you were like a champion athlete, at one point you were... I had to make a decision, right on top of that. I had to make a decision when I was uh, 15, when I was 15 I had to make a decision, I started playing football when I was 8, 9 year old for Renfrew Waverley, mm-hmm. and I was just football daft. Always well daft, and then through school, I uh, started doing well at like the fitness tests and lazy tests and cross country running and stuff. And one of the local teachers, Danny Stevenson, um, who latterly became the reason I was a PE teacher, he had said to me, Do you fancy going to go back in hires, etc.? And I couldn't think of anything worse. Yeah. Could not think of anything mm-hmm. worse. Because you're running for the sake of running, you're not yeah. running because there's a ball yeah. there, you're running to chase somebody. So I just didn't see it. And then I went along. And it got to that point where I started winning local races and I started going to other things and I ended up joining Victoria Park because a guy that I was probably playing football with, his dad was a running coach. And he kept saying to me, do you fancy running, do you fancy running? And again, no interest, but he decided he would pick me up twice a week and take me to running and then take me out on a Saturday as well. Fine. And I started winning more and more. And I remember winning my first Scottish title 
um, indoors at Kelvin Holly 100 metres and I think I was the only runner that didn't have a pair of spikes on I had just a pair of normal shorts and a pair yeah. of I think they were like high tech silver shadows or something <laughs> like that uh, and it was at that point where a couple of other coaches came to mum and dad and said do you realise Des is quite good at running mum and dad it's up to him what he wants to do Yeah. and the, the crux of it came I was playing for Paul at United under I think it was under 15s at the time and I was doing well but when I got to the point I'm going I'm winning Scottish titles now mm-hmm. I'm not playing for Scotland no exactly and I went back and I played a, an Easter tournament for Paul County School Bride mm-hmm. at your neck of the woods and a party pistol scout seen me and approached mum and dad party pistol and motherwell and I went up to watch an old it was a bean cup tie between bean cup at Fur Hill and we had dinner before the game with John Lambie mm-hmm. Um he was very polite, <laughs> for once, and he offered me schoolboy forms, and he said, go away and think about it, see how you feel, um, and he knew about the running, and that was all looking back, I was playing this one game with Bramley, I went back and played this game with Paul, and the scout seen me, and he said, take as long as you want, and I couldn't phone him, my dad phoned him for me, and said, look, Des has decided to go the, to go the running route, yeah. um, to which I, very nice, he said, that's not a problem, go with that, but... Even at the back of my heart, I think if you'd said to me then, do you prefer running, do you prefer football? Mm-hmm. prefer football, uh, but I was better running. And nice. that was a choice that, that really wrangled with me. Mm-hmm. Really wrangled with me. That's a, it's an honest view. When, when you're talking about the running and stuff, I've I done not the same as you, you were more long distance. I used to do quite a lot of sprinting in school, but as I've told you, it came in that time. When I went into first year, I was still carrying a good chunk of puppy fat on me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it dropped off me and I was away doing hurdles and all that and Power athlete. It, was, it was just 60 metres, 100 metres, sometimes even 200 metres um, and I beat my mate at the time who was rapid mm-hmm. I think that's when I noticed, oh, okay, I'm pretty quick, but I thought that but as soon as we went out of P&E they like, right, 800 metres, I'd be like, I was, uh, I was the opposite, I, I, I couldn't sprint, in <coughs> fact my member in football coaches, I was a a centre half, I mean, my build me was completely different. I was always, I was always quite tall for my age, but I was a, I was a chunky wee monkey, as you would say. And um, <laughs> but the running that certainly stripped off me. But uh, I couldn't sprint, still can't sprint. Even when I was a international days, I still couldn't sprint. But I had a good engine in me, they would say, and mm-hmm. I could, I could run. And lastly, when I came back after running after my operation, that was always my asset in people because the end of the game, and guys are getting tired. That looked good because I was still fit. Mm-hmm. I was still, still I was still going, but uh, speed, no, I just. Milk could turn quicker. That's a, that's a funny thing you've said there because the, when you're talking about the, the long distance running and stuff, I could run all day in a game. Mm-hmm. See if it was a game, I could do it now, bother, box to box, playing in central midfield, and then just, it must have just been something in my head that. I think most footballers are that though, do you know what I say? I think, aye. Because even when it came to doing like, complete tests and all that, mm-hmm. people would be like, why is he only getting 11 or no. 11.5 or 12 or something when he could. I just get bored. Aye, I've got it. Running back and forward, and I just thought, I'm done. But if you put a ball going back and forward, a ball going inside, the distance you would cover in the game mm-hmm. would probably be, you'd, you'd squish, uh, you'd squish mm-hmm. a laser test or a multi stage fitness test. Aye, and then, then they brought in the, is it a yo yo test, and you get the ball? Yep, you get the ball, yep. They brought that in, and still I was like, I'm only getting the ball for a wee short distance. Mm-hmm. Really. No, I was. <laughs> I, I like I like going out for a run, and I would always listen to again. You and I spoke when we first met. I've listened to podcasts for for, uh, for years, and that's always putting my my because I'd like to listen. I'd like to think about things. Yeah. Music didn't do it for me, uh, but and lastly, as I progressed my running career, 
I needed that dedication, I needed that sort of, I don't know, maybe, when you say sel selfish, uh, I'm certainly like to say, I think I was always one where, when I did decide to go with the run, like, if I'm going to win, I'm doing it myself. Aye. So I, would, I, I could push myself to incredible states mm. of exhaustion, yeah. where the wee short, sharp stuff, just couldn't, couldn't go for it. But again, I think that's my mentality. I'm quite, um, probably to a detriment sometimes, I'm too, I'm too headstrong. And if I've got something in my mind, then I'll run with it. And that's how I get out for a 15-mile run or a 40-mile mm -hmm. run. I would have colleagues, training partners out with me, but yeah. I would, that wouldn't phase me. No, you just... Yeah. i just go, but we talk about football, we talk <laughs> about things, but I, I wouldn't get to the end of the, right, the road and go, oh, we've only run for 25 minutes. Right. Just turn the watch off, just run, do the course. Just go. Just go. I, I would sure. never have thought I would have been down that way, but as I've been through my life, Latterly and all that mm -hmm. sort of stuff in my career that I ended up going on to have and running, it's gave me experiences that I know, and I'm so glad that I have got that mindset because yeah. if I didn't, I could easily have chucked it and just said, Do you know what, I'm going back to football mm -hmm. and get back and playing with my pals and just enjoying it. Enjoy because I've always enjoyed that side of it, um, but I had to, I had to sort of switch off of that and miss out and certain things that I couldn't do because I was training the next day. But I was very fortunate, really, really fortunate. But that's a that's a big thing, the, the dedication, the hard work you're talking about, like. A lot of people never had that, and this might surprise you, but I don't think I actually went a proper night out until I was 20 years of age. Like I properly, I never went out, I never no, anchored anything. I never, I never probably done that until I was 24. I would go out, mm -hmm. but I'd be the guy with the car. I'd, 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 I'd be the guy with the car, because I was fortunate. When I left school when I was um, 18, just turned 18, I knew from the Easter time that I was getting a contract mm -hmm. from Adidas. Yeah. And it's almost like a bit like the football player saying, "Oh well, switch off to school." I didn't switch off to school as such because mm -hmm. I was never, I was never a bad kid at school. Yeah. But I had other distractions. And the day I left school, I had a contract offer for Adidas, so that became a job. Mm -hmm. So I knew that I had to train yeah, yeah. because I'm getting, I've got a, I've got somebody I've got to be responsible to. Yeah. So I had a job from the age of eighteen to twenty-three, and then I had to sort of, <clears throat> well, I was going through. I was fortunate enough to go in and win numerous Scottish titles. British titles, European yeah. Championships, World Championships. I really had a, 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 I was training abroad. I was in South Africa and I was in America. I raced all over the world, so I couldn't afford to go for a night out. Mm -hmm. I couldn't afford to wake up in the morning no feeling good. I, I had to be able to wake up in the morning and go well. I've got five miles in the morning, then I've got a track session in the afternoon. Yeah. I knew that I was training for thir between twelve to thirteen sessions a week. Five of them would be with a group. The other seven would be on my own. So if I woke up, it, it, it was, and my mum and dad, they supported me and I was very fortunate, I, I don't have any brothers and sisters, yeah. so I was fortunate my mum and dad, while I, while I had a job I did, it's, it's like any apprenticeship, you're not going to get the best money in the world, but the, the, the lure's there, the carrot's yeah. there for you to go on, so my mum and dad could back, could back me, um, and then as I say, British champion, that then brings it a bit more prestige, a bit more to the pot for you, right? yeah. going to represent Great Britain, be a bit more again, mm -hmm. so I'm starting to see this and I'm going... Right, I, I, I quite fancy a bit of that. Yeah. Um, and then I was invited. 1995, I was invited to go to Albuquerque in New Mexico to train with the British senior squad. Yeah. So those people like Paula Radcliffe, her husband Gary Locke, mm -hmm. Rob Denmark, European champion John Nuttall, Alison Wyatt, the top Europe top British runners, mm -hmm. and had somebody fund it for me to go. I was out there for just part of two months. And I'm mixing with these, I don't know, you'd probably put them like your 
hazards and world class football players equivalent and I'm mixing with these guys and I'm watching how they live and I'm watching what they do mm-hmm. and I'm, I want to do that and I'm seeing them driving about what kind of cars they want and walking into shops and I'm just this wee boy for Renfrew who happens to be <laughs> stuck up a mountain 6,000 feet running with these guys but it's, it's giving me a taste I'm going I, I want that and as at that year I went on and became third in Europe ninth in the world mm-hmm. so that then brings a new contract for Adidas yeah. okay you're stepping up I made the Olympic trial final in 96 brings me up and then over in South Africa training, I pick up a, a tropical disease where it just affected my breathing. I just mm-hmm. and it, I just couldn't get myself going. Yeah. I come back, train again, pick up a knee injury, train again, mm-hmm. break down, yeah. train again, break down. And I've known for a few years uh, until the point where I just went, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. But like you saying with your uh, injuries, you, you yeah. can only get hit back so many times. Uh, it's, as you said, it was a mental state and then with me it was like, Twisted my pelvis, came back, done my ligaments, my ankle, came back, done my Achilles, came back, done my knee, <laughs> came back. A and then the stupid of all things I wore around football boots one day and done my metatarsal. And it all seemed to be on that left side and I'm too fitted. I'm mm-hmm. So as if you're relying on one. I can go both ways but at the same time I've never been com- as comfortable in my left side since I twisted my pelvis and I get told that was for playing a year with a groin injury. Yeah. I never knew about it, so... And that probably, well, if it's like me, it all comes to your back. Oh, they came there, and at one point, people were not be able to see, but I was a bit... My mum always used to say to me, straighten yourself up, straighten mm-hmm. yourself up. And I'd be like, what are you talking about? I'm, I'm straight? What mm-hmm. But I wasn't. It wasn't until I went in with a doc, and they showed me that... Your like, biomechanics? And, that stuff, and they're like, oh, you've got... Eh, what's it called? I can't remember. I get taught it at college as well, that's absolutely terrible. <laughs> Scoliosis. Scoliosis. It's a curvature yeah. of the spine. Yep. yep. So I had that, and that was because of the pelvis, and then. Well, same as you. All my, all my injuries, all my operations I've had, and my. I started off like you. I came sore backs, but yeah. it's because I ran with a barrel chest, mm-hmm. and there's always a curvature in my back. Yeah. But it wasn't that. Wasn't that? That wasn't the problem. It came from. It, it came from as you said, the back of your hips. Mm-hmm. My sacroiliac joint was too tight, so therefore I was putting pressure on mm-hmm. in my back, and then that transferred into my knee, transferred into my Achilles. And say, the ultimate for me was I think I did oh, five surgeries, and I've now got the, the ultimate one that killed it. And why I did, it had to give up. Run- I never gave up running. Running gave up me. Yeah, it was probably the best way to put it. Yeah. Was I get bones taken out and three pins put through them, and I've got my Achilles tendonitis. So I could I could train back to a certain level, mm-hmm. and I get to that point, I go right. I'm ready to attack it again. And I actually changed coaches. I was ran for a coach up here called Brian McCausland, who was the Scottish national coach. Mm-hmm. And he could see how frustrated I was getting. Yeah. And he said, I think maybe we just freshen it up. And I ended up getting coached long distance by a guy called Tim Hutchings, yeah. who was the last, no means, <laughs> no meaning, up until recently, he was the last white man to win a medal in the World Cross Country yeah. Championships. Because then they can end up eight Kenyans, eight Moroccans, eight Ethiopians. Yeah. So you've got like eight, 16, 24 folk who are potentially going to beat you before you start. Tim was coaching me and he was helping me and I get back into really really good shape really good shape and I actually ran a couple of 10k races which was not my event I was 800-1500 and I was doing well I was winning some local road races Mm -hmm. picking up some money picked up another sponsorship from Mizuno and then he said we're going to tweak the training we're going to up the the volume broke down again and that's when I just went I'm no built for this I just and a selfish part maybe again with the running part single mind just went I'm not going to be people that shouldn't be me. 
I'm not watching we be Johnny Scoffalot run by me and I can't I'm running here with one leg. Uh, so I just went, No, enough's enough. I know that feeling I was coming to I think I might have still actually been. And I went and played a couple of amateur games and I just got to the point where it's no, it's no for me, it's... It's not your level? No, and even when I went to Dumbarton as well, because I wasn't fit enough. Mm-hmm. Like, I still had this niggling pelvis injury and I went and... It was just, I remember being at Lesser Hamden and, you know, but me, that's a massive pitch, oh, it's nice. huge. And it was like, right, go and give what you can. I think I gave 45 minutes and then my hamstring went. Just because I, I was I was fit, but I wasn't in match fit. So mm-hmm. I'd done that at full tilt and I thought to myself, I'm not going to handle this. But it went and then a couple of days later it kind of loosened off again and mm-hmm. loosened off. And then I felt myself getting back to it and played against that growth up there. And I a million dollars and the boy came in and absolutely rattled me a cracker. Which was different because it was normally me doing that. Somebody got <laughs> me um, his elbow right in the ribs. Karma. came up and bruised straight away. And I was like, I was trying to run about and I couldn't catch my breath. And I'd done, I think it was about 70, 80 minutes. And I thought, right, that's it, I'm getting somewhere now, I'm getting somewhere. And then the next couple of nights of training, bang, away again, oh. pelvis. It's just, I think your body's, your body's either robust enough to take it. Or it's, or, or it's no and a lot of people say oh play games to get fit you can't play games you need to be fit to play the games you need to be fit to play it and you can't kid yourself and it was like me I couldn't kid I couldn't go and say right you know I'm going to train I'll train half the volume Aye. but I'll, I'll race doubly hard you can't do that you need to train doubly hard to race you're trying to break down into it you're not trying to do that you can't do it that's what I felt because that's what the period when I decided right I need to actually go to college here I need to do something because I'm not Hamilton anymore so mm-hmm. In the career, away, I need to do something. Um, and when the chance came to go to Dumbarton, and that I was delighted. Mm-hmm. I even got a chance. Cause I thought I'm going. I'm just playing. Who was there at the time? Who was Dumbarton there? Chappy. Chappy. Chapman. No, I remember your dad always. I was doing. Aye, he helped me a lot. My dad helped me a lot through that time. And I just had to say to myself, "Listen, I can't." I mean, that's that's a hard thing to do. Tell me, tell me, your old man. Your old man. Just 20, 21. I think to your body's not having it anymore. Anyway, uh, it's not as if you're my age now. <laughs> <laughs> as soon as that happened, I, was like, I think none of my family, all my family, football backgrounds, mm. all of them, nobody's a runner. And mm. I think my dad, at first, my dad hated it. I thought it was like paint dry, mm-hmm. going to watch me run around uh, circles and slip. Don't, don't get this. But as a game more knowledgeable, you get into it. But the good point is, I said, they supported me financially and, and emotionally. Mm. Um, but when I, I think they'd seen me go through so much. I think when I told mum and dad, and I remember the day I taught, I remember the day I actually had to chop, start running. As I run around my, from my house, used to go around the Clyde, so it was quite a nice quiet area. Around the Clyde walkway, and it was about five and a half, six miles. And I got halfway around it, and I just stopped. That was it? Just stopped, and I walked in. And I wasn't crying, wasn't he? I was just, I was, I was also very emotional. I just walked in, mum and dad were there, and I just said, that's it, it's done. And like, what do you mean? I said, yeah. I'm not running anymore. I just can't do it. It's hard when you finally realise, isn't it? It's like one of them, you're like... It was almost like a Eureka moment. I actually thought, and I walked yeah. it back. I walked home. Walked home my shorts and just thought, I'm not doing this. And then I had to decide what I'm going to do. Aye, yeah, that was it. Decision time. Decision yeah, time in a lot of ways. Yeah. Aye, so uh, I was fortunate to get a job. Worked for the civil service of Scottish Enterprise. Yeah. 
But I was going to work my suit every day. Aye. And um, I've been it for four years and I phoned the PE teacher, Danny Stevenson, who was my teacher, and I phoned him and says, I need to change. Mm-hmm. I need to do something. And he told me about college courses and university courses and I applied and thankfully got into university. Yep. And then I started my, my coaching side of things mm-hmm. um, while also playing. So I, I changed it. I changed from being a single-minded runner who had my life all mapped out to mm-hmm. just like you say, you're 22, you're lost. What do I do? I need to get a job. I need to decide what do I like. What do I, what, 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 how do I earn money? No, and I went to uni. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I knew. I thought ultimately I wanted to become a PE teacher yep. just because I loved it. Mm-hmm. I loved school and I got a good positive experience of it. But when I went to college, Danny had said to me, "Go for it was sport in the community at the time. Mm-hmm. It's now sport and physical activity." And one of the things was coach, de- coach development and coaching philosophy and stuff. And Robert Kilty, um, who now does a lot of work with Airdrie and stuff. I know, I know. Yeah, I know Robert really. Yeah. So Robert had started and he sort of put me along the lines of sort of football coaching. And I got a job working for the SFA over in Western Bartonshire with Tommy Orisma, uh, Big Morris Donahue. And I do the summer camps, Easter mm-hmm. camps, after school camps. Yeah. And that put me on my fo- football coaching pathway. Um, but that was through uni because I'd always thought, well, I like football, so... That's when I go. Never ever thought of doing athletics coaching. Mm-hmm. Done, I think I'd done two coaching courses for athletics and yeah. scunnered with it. I thought, I'll go down the football coaching well, route. I'd done basketball and I'd done, I think it was actually American football or something, level one. Oh, that's beautiful. I can mask you, you can try that. I just thought um, it was pretty decent because we looked at as much people. <laughs> <laughs> there's, a, there's a theme coming uh, here. Uh, you should have no book to you. Uh, was that physical contact, it was just, I, I just loved it. And, and then the biggest bit, nobody faced me. No, I don't think I was. I don't think I was ever the the, the, the most physical player, but I could I, I could look after myself. Uh, but again, when I played, I was always fit, so it was maybe more chance that they mm-hmm. couldn't catch me, they, 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 they smash me as much. Um, but no, I loved. I loved, and it was a thing I gave serious thought to. I think I didn't. I didn't finish my children's license. I'd done like the early touches mm-hmm. and development tasks. I'd done the physical prep, the coaching in the game, yeah. coaching young children, all that. And then it came towards the end when I was finished with the degree, I thought to do my licence and then go for looking to go the way you went. Yeah. Or to go the teaching route. And I get accepted into the teaching route. And also at the time I was progressing my refereeing and I didn't want my job to be my hobby. Yeah. Because I thought, how can I coach footballers all week and then manage them, referee them on a Saturday? And I thought I needed a wee bit of, a wee bit of space. Um, and I was fortunate I went the teaching route and I've now secured job and I'm, I'm, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't change it um, but um, <coughs> the coaching side of it, I just watching you get up even when we were at school and we'd be teaching next I used to always love just watching what you guys were doing with the kids and going can I adapt that into my, mm. into my stuff what can I it's all about just picking up wee bits and learning because mm. I've, I've watched plenty of like school sessions and stuff no. especially when you used to be doing the, sometimes you used to do the fitness stuff and that as well mm-hmm. and like, so, something different for we went through as kids because we were younger and it was fitness at football, it was just run. Just run. Go and run around the pitch. We had a cross country course at the back of the back of the school pitch, we need to do two laps of the cross country pitch. Right, that's it. Here's a ball play. That's you, go. Aye. That was pretty much the training we got as well. The boys club football. We ran through, I played with Renfrew Waverley and Pollock, and no disrespect to the coaches, but that was pretty much it. Just play, and if I was bored, we spoke about it in the car, my controls. I'd think nothing, and my wee boy does it now. I think none. I sit in the back and just playing. I would call it muscle leg or wally or whatever. That's how you done. That's how you done. That's the reason you got your first touch. Mm-hmm. And I'd still use it now when I'm coaching my kids. Get the cones right, get it between the cones, narrow the cones. Yep. It's That's no rocket science. Yeah.
I can remember um, my grand stayed right behind Tamden. Uh-huh. See, uh huh. The east side there. East side, aye. Big lawn. We used to. It was my actually man's. We used to rattle the ball off it, and then we took it upon ourselves. My grand's front wall had like a wee curb mm-hmm. on it as well. So if you hit that, you had to react it. But if you hit the actual wall, but I think we hit it that much. We knocked the, the top paving <laughs> off, man. But your granny was happy. Oh yeah, no, we'd be off like a shot. Even she'd her own no ball game sticker. Aye, and even though it was us, she would still tell us to beat it. Aye, but then we used to we used to try and chip it off the curb. Mm-hmm. And because of where she stays, there was non-stop traffic, like going to Hamden and coming back for it. So sometimes you'd be chipping off a curb and try to dodge a car on the way is back. That, but that, is that what you call skill and agility? So <laughs> I, well, that, that was how we learned. We used to, we used to play football. There was two grass bits, so there was a wee, the wee pitch was for the wee guys. Mm-hmm. And the, the big field was for the bigger ones, but we always used to go and try and play with the bigger ones. And we used to, oh, we used to think it was a business. Uh, see if you look at it now, it's like slopes and dips and a bonfire in the middle. That was your centre circle. That was your centre circle. We, we were the exact same in Rainfree. We just used to go up and play up the Cockles Hill Park, up the KG5s mm-hmm. next to the school, and it would be like 20 a side. Aye, we loved it. That, that's, that's where we all learned. I mean, there was fencing, and if the ball rattled off a fence, you're like, oh, there mm-hmm. we go. If it went early fence, it was a shy, but. Ah, yeah. <laughs> the only rule what were the crossbar though? Oh no, we used to build those. We you build them? That. We used to build them, aye. No, I think, I think we used to try and play on the. We used to always like playing the hockey goals because we thought the hockey goals were a, a lot better. Business, eh? We used to always play them. You could hear it smash off aye. the back of it. We used to build the rain goals and I remember my mum came out to help us once. She broke her thumb. She broke her thumb? Hammer it in and we hadn't dug a hole. <laughs> we used to dig a hole, hammer it in, and then pack it back in with dirt. And she's like, I was just go bang. And you heard it, it was singing in the hand just. And she's like, I'll be alright, I'll just keep hammering in. <laughs> Look at the goals. That was your Hamden, that was your Wembley. The goals were great, and we used to, what we used to do is, we guys were raging this, we used to go to Tory Glen pitches, which was a The old uh, Red Plays? And we used to steal the nets. <laughs> and then they started taking the nets in. Because they used to leave them up, didn't they? We used to knock the nets and put them up in our goals, so we'd be up putting them out and quite brilliant, and three days later the council would come and take them away. No, look at it. Oh, we'd say, just need the nets, leave the nets. And if they left us the nets, we'd build their goals and they'd be back out three days later again. So that's just the way we were when we were younger. That's good, but that's, that's what you've done. We do, and it's, it's not as if we're old, but we dad didn't have the. And to be honest, I was never a big PlayStation game. I'm never. I'm not a big uh, gamer and I'm still not. Um, I've got it, but I don't. Don't touch it. No, I d- we've got it for the wee fella, but we're trying to restrict what, what he does on uh, it. But it can only get beat by a six year old at FIFA so many times before you take the batteries out. <laughs> get involved with coaching. We went back to the, the coaching. Yeah, um, well. my, my wee boy, he's six and a half. Um, and up until about, I'd say about a year ago, he was never really that any football. He was always just, if it was on, he would, aye, okay, and go away. And then since he went to primary school, and he's, he's wee friend who's just a football statue. Yeah. Uh, this wee boy even amazes me. He, could t- he, could, he used to tell me what game I had, and he used to be like, t- you'd say to him, who's third in the championship? What was the Queen's Park score? He's a Queen's Park fan. Uh, he'd, he, he knew everything, and <clears throat> he was into football, so my wee boy said, look, can we go along? I'd take him to Houston Soccer School, and he, he just never, he never bought into it. Mm-hmm. And rather than force me to go every Saturday morning, I just decided, like, we'll leave it. And I, I quite often time I need to go down, I need to leave because I had to go away mm-hmm. to Montrose or whatever. So we just left him at it. And then he's come back from school and said that a couple of his friends go to Bridgeway United. Could he, could he go? Mm-hmm. Well, of course you can go. We'll just, so we phoned a couple of parents we knew. 
went along, six years old was playing, I'm just going as a quite happy. I've been teaching, I've been doing my coaching all day. Yeah. Standing at the side watching it. That's okay, uh-huh, that's fine. Then they, they, they try and encourage parents to get involved, so I'm standing at the side, then come along and say, Oh, you're, I hear you're a referee. I'm like, Yeah, yeah, I'm a referee. You, you like football then? Yeah, I like football. <laughs> oh, you're a teacher as well. Yeah, I'm sitting going, who's feeding them this information? <laughs> who's getting this? I'm like, Ray, get up saying, oh, my dad's this, my dad's that. So, uh, they've got my CV. So, they asked, uh, would I like to get involved? I said, that's fine, I'll, I'll come along and I'll, I'll help take a couple of sessions. And then, a couple of other dads decided, ah, well, we'll help as well. Next thing we know, we're, we're hit. We're hit for it. Um, but I love it. It's brilliant. And it's really good seeing, we've got a, we've got a squad of, 17, 17, 17 6 year olds, 2009's, one of whom's a girl, Rihanna, uh, we train, we used to just train for an hour, and then these boys had never played, we only started in May, they played on a Sunday morning, and they didn't, there's no structure to it, it's four aside, yep. so now that we try, I don't want to overcoach them, or co- let them find their own way, yeah. so we could, we could only take six, and we had 12 to start, and they kept adding and adding, and so we've split them into two teams, mm-hmm parents are involved, we take training on a, a Wednesday night, we've upped it to an hour and a half other clubs are training twice a week but for me and again as we spoke mm-hmm. I think at that age that's too young too young, yeah. the, you could, could over coach and out coach them, mm-hmm. so say my wee fella goes to, goes to his football goes to skiing, goes to tennis which I actively encourage yep. um, and I'm really enjoying it, getting in and just having no no preconceived ideas, no just going and watching them play. And do you know what? They're doing really, really well. And I know, I know they say it's non-competitive, but they know every Sunday he'll come off and say, "Oh, we won three 0 and we won, we won, four, we won four out of four, and we beat this team, and we beat that team." And I don't discourage that. I think that's of course, definitely. So I'm involved with them, and it's it's absolutely brilliant. And we just share it between us, all the coaches. I think as well. I encourage the other coaches to go and get their coaching stuff, even though they're early touches, yeah. just so they've got a wee bit of wee bit of knowledge. Because they can't, not they can leave it to me. I don't want it left to me all the time. So we'll take bits and pieces of sessions, and they're going, they're going great. They start again, start of March. Um, it's the new, the new season. And is that still fours? Still, it'll be fours up until next March, I think. And then fives, and is it five for two years, and then sevens. So by that point, but. We've had kids coming to us that all they've done is mums and dads have maybe said, oh, we've seen your training, is it okay if they come and join? And I'm all for people coming to, to join in. But I think maybe for, for the size we've gone for these, I think 17 is probably as much as we're going to take. I don't think we'd... It's huge. Considering a couple of teams a year above us within the club, one of them think they're falling because they don't have enough. And we've got 17. But the parents are, the parents are buying into it. Um, the boys are progressing, we've got a couple of sponsors from people who are involved within the club, parents, and long may it continue, and say, from my wee boy, no, been interested in football, knowing that it was on, and knowing, oh well, Des go, he referees on a Saturday, and he'll, if you ever seen me on television, it'd be like, I'd say, so what team do I play for, or you play for the black team, I play for the black, I play for the black team, and you can recognise that, uh, and he's now got his mild red and couple of red and yellow cards and stuff, and he'll, he'll actively get involved, but now when football's on the television, he's watching it, and if we're watching Match of the Day or the German football, which I'll record it all anyway, he picks a team. Every game we pick a team, so he'll pick one game, I'll pick the next, 
uh, and he's competitive even watching the TV. That's brilliant. It's great. It's yes, great. Uh, I used to, as a kid, I used to sit and shout at the TV and stuff. And I think it was just to but see from my grandparents, uncles, my dad, my cousins, and it was always competitive in my family as well because I grew up. I grew up, I, I took my dad's side to my granddad, I, I followed Rangers, I still do, uh, and the rest of my family were all Celtic fans, so it was, we always had that competitive edge between us, but at the same time, when the game was done, we just get on with it, you know what I mean, it's when we were younger, but now as you get older you understand a hell of a lot more, but when we were kids, we always used to get compliments and stuff, it was great seeing you walking about with a Rangers top and a Celtic top. And we, I was never... <coughs> I was never allowed a Celtic strip or a Rangers strip when I was younger. Yeah. I come my, my family background, my mum's family are from the west of Scotland mm-hmm. uh, and my dad's family are from the Pulk Island. Aye. So I'll, I'll blow the bubble, most hope not. I'm a Celtic fan. Mm-hmm. I grew up a Celtic fan, I had a Celtic yeah. season ticket uh, for a while. But um, I, I always say to my friends, when I went to them for life, I say, what, what are you support Celtic for? You're christened a Protestant, you support Celtic. I say, well, I, ch- I chose to. Yeah. But my dad's, my mum's family weren't overly football. It was mum's one of five girls. Yeah. My dad's one of three boys and a girl. Mm-hmm. But the three boys are Celtic fans. Yeah. My dad never had a season ticket at Celtic, but he would go along and watch, and my grandfather would go and watch it. Um, and then subsequently, my mum's sisters, they all married, they all married Celtic fans. Mm-hmm. So. It's great now, it's always, it's always good when I'm putting the referees, there's always a good bit of banter between them saying, oh well, what's going to happen here, there, you can imagine the stories. But uh, no, so I, I just I just grew up, it, but I was never allowed a Celtic strip, never allowed a Rangers strip, I always used to get a Scotland strip, I'd always get, Christmas, my birthday is January, it's close to it, so I always get a birthday present and a Christmas present of Scotland strips, Liverpool strips, Arsenal strips, anybody but Celtic Rangers, and I've carried that on with, 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 with my oldest, he get. Christmas, you get Argentina, AC Milan, Juventus, etc. Um, but that's not to say that I wouldn't. If he wants to go and watch him when he's older, that's fine. That's up to him. But I'll let him just find his own his own team. He does. I think I don't know if he does it too. His papa's a, a Rangers fan. Always um, <laughs> <laughs> does it. He's a season ticket holder um, for for numerous years. It doesn't go now due to due to ill health. Uh, but he'll always sit with Ray and he'll write um, Rangers games, and he's absolutely. I taught Andrew Halliday at school and he's, mm-hmm. a, he's Andy's biggest fan. As soon as Andy's on the TV, that's it, and he's, he's won the Rangers strip at 16. Mm-hmm. So he'll probably go on to support Rangers, and that's yeah. fine, good on him. That's but I do want him just to, to get the same enjoyment out of football that I do. Ah, that's, that's the massive thing about football, is sometimes it's, it's too complicated. And I know the previous guests have touched on that as well, but it's, it's the biggest thing for me right now, especially with kids, is that they enjoy it. I watch them every Wednesday, and we pull them in at the end. And the first time we ask them is, did you enjoy that? What did you like? What did you not like? Mm-hmm. Look at their face, they're all red, they're sweating, they're puffing. And the first thing, as I say, I would probably get maybe a bit too harsh in moment because it was a good, was a good. And I would say, yeah, you're good, but you can do better. Yeah. Now, he's doing great, he's doing fantastic from where he's came from, what he does now. And the bit that my dad laughs at when they, and all the parents laugh at, when Ray goes for a tackle, it's a bit of, oh, oh. Because he's he's he's, a, he's like you, he's fearless. Aye. He's absolutely fearless, and it's the only bit that we don't coach. We don't coach tackling, and it's just timing, rhythm and timing. It's a it's a hard thing to coach, to be fair, and it's a dying art as well. It is, and he he wins the ball, and he'll win everything, and he's just got no fear. Uh, but again, long may it continue. We we always, and I make no, and I say to the parents quite a lot. I make no apologies for it, but the first fifteen minutes of every session I do is the balls at the feet. Yeah. Inside the foot, outside of the foot, roll it over the top on the laces, 
all these different places you can control the ball with. Then we'll go and do we pass and stop it, touch it. You don't ever pass the ball first time, you stop it. As we get older, when we do that, always keep shooting in the way. Keep them moving for the for the whole lot, get them their games, get them running. But I, I mean, no apology. I think everything they need to do is with the ball at the feet. Aye, that's the, I love that. That's I'm massive on it. it. When we were at City, it was um, when I went there. Obviously, they had the mm-hmm. stuff in. I'm not saying I've got a new book or anything about it. No. Do you know what I mean? But it was the kids. It was great to see when I first went in. It was just the balls out and passing it straight away. Mm-hmm. And then as I went on, I went on. I always took note of. Especially when I played under my dad um, at boys club in Hamilton, we all did a ball. Everybody had a ball in the warm up and we were moving, they'd take balls away and then it would be a passing and moving and stuff. And I just incorporated that. I'm just pulling the what I've been taught. And that, he was the first coach that really taught me about the, about the ball. It wasn't, it wasn't just running constantly. And I wrote a blog on it. And the first coach I got when I went to Motherwell left early. So the next coach came in and the first session we had with him was running around for part on the ash and the outside and up and down the steps and he says, don't worry, you don't need to take your boots off. But see that then, Zan, or the philosophy, <coughs> what do you become good at? You become good at running and running up and down the stairs. If you've, not, if you've got the ball at your feet mm-hmm. for, what does it say, is it 30,000 hours, you need the ball at your feet, but you need to, you need to re- repeat some 30,000 times before it becomes instinct. So if you go to running and training, you've still been doing what I've done because uh, you're running for being a running sake, you're not running for being a football sake. If you're playing a football, you need to be comfortable with the ball, and you can, as, as I say, them inside, outside, on the top, on the bottom, make your mistakes, because you then get back on top of it. That's, somebody said to me, how did, how did you use your two feet? Practice. Practice. That water took a bat in the pebble, dashing was knackered. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, it's one to kill me. I mean, you'd say it wasn't me. She'd be like, well, who else was at the park? I don't know. And then she'd be like, let me see your football. And talk about it. So you see that in the scene of me, Mark. So scuffed. Oh, well, scuffed, and you had the wee stones stuck to your shoes, and she's like, and. <laughs> the only reason I get caught is my granny had a, a, in Settling Island, we go and she, it was all girls in the family over there, with the, the, the grass back door against a stone wall, and the grass was just mud. There was no, there was no, gra- there was no grass left. My granddad needed that as well, right? No, no grass left. In fact, I remember it was my cousin Siobhan, I think it was her Holy Communion or something, and my cousin Kenny who lives in London him and I were playing football at the front and we had taken her gloves off her wee communion dress and that was her rouge gloves because I think Jim Layton wore, Jim Layton wore these, these gloves and my granny came out and she absolutely murdered us because this was supposed to get hung up and kept away and like, oh no there they go the gloves can't take them away but that's what you did you just played oh and that was, I think that was as close as I got to her I cut the back side of her shoe. I know. I, mean, I, I need to get myself back in. Well, I had to call, I called it off last Sunday. It's not last Saturday we did an away game. Yeah. And I thought for the life of me, there's never, you know what the weather's like last Saturday. I thought, not a chance of a game on. Because I've been, I think I've only missed one game this year. Two games rather, because I was doing, as a committee, we, we take it in turns to yeah. do your job to get out. If, we, if we're away from home, then we'll, we'll let it out and we'll mm-hmm. get your teams playing and we'll get amateur teams playing. So my two games, I, w- I wasn't there, I was down at the grounds. And last week the game was on, but it was away at Dunipace. And do you know I've never been? There's only two grounds in the whole of the West Region I've never been to in the juniors. I've never been to Dunipace, mm-hmm. and I've never been to sorry three, Dunipace, Les Mahego, and Cumbernauld. That's the only three. I've refereed the teams, but they've always been away from. But I've never been to those because I was actually quite looking forward to going there. 
but we also had to cancel the meeting last week because my, my wee boy wasn't in for him, wasn't he well? And then Shan caught it and then Vlad that caught it. So I thought, Saturday there, I'll not go. And it's the first time since I stopped in January time, last January, that I'd actually been able to go out for a lunch on a Saturday afternoon and watch the telly and watch the rugby. And that's because I've been too busy with mm. other things. And, I'm, and it was a wee sad, I thought, I'm more involved with football now than I've ever been. I'll get more commitment to it. takes over everything. That's mm-hmm. where I was excited, honestly. You were, as I said, in the car, it was three, maybe four nights a week sometimes. Especially when I was doing my licence sometimes, I'd get five nights a week every Saturday or Sunday. Mm-hmm. But you need this wee break. Aye, uh, and it's like, and I didn't realise it at the time, and then we spoke about it earlier, injuries and stuff. Your body starts to break down again. And you've not had that break, you know? Oh, can't your body, you can't keep pushing yourself and pushing yourself and pushing. Something's got to give. Oh. Something's got to give. And say, my, my injuries are, they're gone to a, to a huge extent. I still got a sore knee mm-hmm. because of the pins and I'll always have that. But I can go for a run. I go for a run now when I want to go for a run. Yeah. No, because I have to go for a run. No, because I, I need to put data on a polar watch to send it into the SFA to say, oh, look, look what I've done. Before I just put it in the back of the put the heart rate monitor on the dog and let the dog run about for a minute. Joyce was like, you, uh, Joyce, uh, uh, Jones in the SFA. What's your heart rate all about? Uh, you're buzzing, man. <laughs> I know. I'm not into protein shakes. I'm into pedigree chum. Uh, I'm pedigree chum for you. I know that's the diet. Yeah, nah, so it's been great, mate. No, I've enjoyed it. Thanks enjoyed very it. Much, mate. You're very welcome. Much. Cheers, Joyce. Thank you.